My name's Tom. Uh, I'm with the Unlucky Frog gaming team. We're doing the seminar recordings for uh, Tabletop Scotland. Uh, today's first seminar, as I'm, I hope you're all aware, uh, otherwise you might be in the wrong room, is the uh, Autism and Table in Tabletop Gaming. Uh, I'm joined today uh, by Gavin Scott uh, and also, uh, sorry, I didn't take a note of your name. Lindsay Terrible. Patterson. Lindsay Patterson from the Perth Autism Support Team format this is going to take is basically um, I'm going to open up with a few questions for our, our panellists, um, put you on the spot a little bit, um, hopefully not too much, um, and then if there's anything you want to add to that, feel free to do so, and then I'll open it up to yourselves. If anyone's got any questions, just pop your hand up. If you do have any questions midway through, feel free to stick your hand up as well, and if I notice, I'll flag. If I don't, just shout Tom at me and I'll, uh, I'll pick you up. Um, the session is going to be recorded, um, just as, as Josh mentioned. If you ask a question, I'll just repeat it just so that the recording gets it because we don't want to be running around with a microphone uh, to all of you. So we'll get started. Um, so I'm going to throw it to you guys first just to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about uh, yourselves and what, what you're doing, uh, kind of ha how in autism is important to yourself. So Gavin, do you want to open for Okay, us? yeah, I'm Gavin Scott. I live in uh, Kirkcaldy. Um, I've got two kids with uh, autism and... I've got a little bit of autism myself. Um, I run a club, but I also run a kids' uh, club uh, and a centre with um, people with additional needs. So there's some people who've got autism there. And um, also I go to like uh, a, sp uh, a, kind of a, a school for kids who are struggling mainstream and things like that. I teach uh, board games there as well. So um, that's me, yep. Fantastic, yourself? Hi everybody, my name is Lindsay Patterson. I'm one of the service managers at Perth Autism Support. So we're a local charity that supports children, autistic children and their families. Uh, we've been set up for uh, just about 11 years now um, and we have over a thousand young people registered with us. Um, so I have worked for Perth Autism Support for eight years. Prior to that, I worked with child and adolescent mental health as a speech and language therapist involved in autism assessment. Fantastic, thank you very much, Lindsay. Okay, so the first question uh, I've got for you today um, is in regards to the, the tabletop hobby, do you think there's a specific element of the hobby that is particularly attractive to the, the autistic community that draws them towards it? Let's start with you, Gavin. Put you on the spot. Yeah, because I think I think one of the things with, I mean, people with autism, everybody's different, and because someone's got autism doesn't mean they're going to be a certain way or that way, but they can find often find it hard to do uh, certain uh, skills um, uh, about communication, things like that. Things that I'm struggling with just now. <laughs> um, and if you give give people a context, uh, I think to do at the table, then they can concentrate on that thing, and they, they're not overthinking it, or they're not thinking about um, the fact that they're in this ang anxious environment, things like that. They could just play the game and the game will bring its own skills as well depending on the type of game but there's lots lots of different kind of games yeah, obviously definitely excellent so i think it's great yeah excellent thank you gavin Lindsay, anything to add yeah i am um, so from my understanding of autism is that autism is a different way 
of processing and understanding the world and with that come some amazing strengths um, and some also some challenges as, as Gavin was talking about and one of those is around social communication and being able to interact together so anything that provides a structure um, to be able to help people engage is probably something generally quite helpful for people who are autistic and again you know we're making huge broad assumptions here because every autistic person is an individual and we need to stop and, and look at that but the other thing I notice um, with some of the young people that I work with is they tend to have very good um, skills and things like detail and patterns and strategy and logic everything that I'm not really all that good at um, so often you can see um, games that have those kind of uh, you need those kind of skills for that they can excel in and I think that's really important for people all every person to have things that they're good at and passions in their lives and I think that's another reason why I see a high representation of the autistic community in in this um, event today is because actually this is something that they're passionate about and being able to connect together is so important over over a shared interest that's a really good answer definitely okay you've, you've touched on my next question a little bit already but uh, i'll ask it just to, to expand on it a little bit um and I'll, I'll throw this one to you first lindsay and then I'll, I'll move on to yourself gavin so uh are there any elements of of the hobby and again i appreciate we're speaking in very broad strokes mm -hmm. here about both the hobby and and the individuals but are there any elements of the, the hobby that you think are particularly challenging or present barriers to people with with autism within the community Okay, so I've got the cop out for this, and I think that probably <laughs> depends on the individual, yeah. um, because looking at their skill um, strengths and also some of the things that they find challenging, um, you know, is going to present with each individual kind of presentation. So, um, but you know, things where um, you know things are maybe a bit more abstract or um, where there's a bit more kind of social interaction, that might be where we see some of some of the difficulties. Um, or, or, or challenges, I think, probably is a, is a different, better way of putting it. But I think it will be individual and what is a, a challenge for one person may be an asset for another person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Gavin, anything to add? Uh, just kind of examples, I think, in my head. Um, like, uh, I know someone who rarely ever speaks outside their own house, uh, literally hardly says a word, but uh, goes and plays Dungeons and & Dragons. Um, and obviously... She then speaks to certain other people one-on-one -on -one a little bit, so it's helped bring bring her on a little bit, but she's managed to find her own way to be able to still enjoy this game and try and be comfortable. And then I've got, I know this other kid who, he's really social, but um, he struggles at certain other things. And his mom actually, I thought it was quite interesting because the certain games that really sometimes upset him, he ends up crying. Uh, but then she still, the next week, will still push him into the games sometimes because she wants to try and teach him and teach him that it's okay, you know, you can feel like that, but how to deal with mm. these situations, you know. And he still comes back, still enjoys it. It's just certain wee things that trigger. Yeah. But uh, he still comes back for more, though. Okay, that's great. I think uh, that's a really good point, Gavin, because I think actually losing is something that yeah. doesn't matter whether you're autistic or not. I think everybody can find that difficult to deal with and, and the emotions that come with that are frustration when you get stuck at something. But what we know is some people with autism have more difficulty in, in regulating their emotions. So that might be something as well that we might see. I think um, dealing with losing is something probably everyone can, can do yeah. with a bit of support on. Exactly. Josh is nodding at me because he knows <laughs> I'm a sole loser. Uh, okay, <laughs> we'll move on to the next question. Uh, so what actions do you feel that game designers uh, could take 
to make their games and their products more accessible um, to people within the, the community. Uh, so Gavin, I'll start with you on that one. Uh, any thoughts? Uh, obviously, there's a lot already out there. Um, so if you've got examples you of, about, of ones yeah, you that you talk think about, do um, do. like uh, struggle to win or lose, then you've got cooperative games. Mm -hmm. yeah. You all work as a team, and that goes for uh, role play as well, which obviously uh, you all have to work as a team. Um, and I think sometimes uh, you can trick people into thinking they'll like this game because of the theme of it and things like that to bring them in and they wouldn't have normally picked this game and they'll play it and they'll actually think and they won't realise they've learned things from it but they'll actually be brought into it so, so things that seem really exciting you know uh, and there's plenty out there lots of fantasy and space things but other things as well you know yeah yeah, definitely, Lindsay. Anything to add? Yeah, I agree. Um, cooperative games or collaborative games, I think, probably are really good. I know one that um, some of our young people that really enjoyed was just like Top Balls Pandemic, where actually you're working collaboratively together against the game. So, so if you're if you if you're losing, you're all losing. So, so that can be quite good. Um, but I think other things is just variety across the gaming industry. So, you know, we've got games that you can play on your own games that are short games, quick games, because I think actually what we need is a variety of different things and perhaps even just like indicating what are some of the key skills. So not just about the topic of the game and the theme of the game, but what are the skills you might need? That would really help us be able to kind of match the young people that we're working with to the right game quite quickly. So do you think sort of a bit more of an identifying factor within the game yeah. about what kind of skill sets would be appropriate for that game? Yeah. That's, that's really good. Yeah, I like that. Okay, uh, this is my, my last set question and then I'm going to uh, open it to you guys for anything you want to add and then we'll throw to the audience for questions. So um, following on from the, the question just there, so what action do you think fellow hobbyists could do and take to make neurodiverse hobbyists feel more included at the tabletop games that they play? Uh, Gavin, I'll start with you on that one. Um, I think just have an open mind and realise that everybody's different. It doesn't matter if... Um, be diagnosed with this it could be other conditions as well and mm -hmm. um, just try and uh, enjoy it in your own way and um, I think gaming is brilliant because it can be it brings people together and um, it's really hard just to get people together and just have a chat and things like that then it's not very it doesn't end up very productive all the time but if you get people together let's play a game and then they may actually end up chatting at the end and things like that because they they feel more comfortable afterwards like I think that. the game can be an icebreaker as yeah. well, can't it? Yeah. It's where it kind of yeah. gets gets you yeah. talking, and then you can talk about the game as well, which gives you a conversation point that you can all share. Mm -hmm. uh, Lindsay, any thoughts on that? I think probably I would turn that back to the audience here and uh, think about you know what are your experiences that have worked well, um, and how do we replicate that in in other areas. I think the other thing is I was just speaking to a parent who is uh, one of our parents that's registered with us and is diagnosed with her own di uh, diagnosis of autism just down in the hall there and she was just saying I'm finding it too much it's too busy and um, so maybe even at things like this having like a quiet hour where people actually could come in and it is a bit quieter to be able to engage so that might be something and I know you've got the quiet space as well which is brilliant so that people can get a bit of time but I'm um, you know I think asking asking autistic people what it is that they would find helpful is the best way to start rather than me presuming as a neurotypical person what they might need excellent yeah i think that's a really good point um so i'm going to throw out to the audience now so if anyone's got a question or, or anything they kind of want to raise um if you want to pop your hand up and i'll i'll kind of point to you and, and you can uh, jump in anyone got anything we do have oh 
Jesus. That is way too loud. <laughs> we do have the wireless mic. I'm a little concerned it might give some feedback, but we could just might. give it a go and right. just just see if it works. So, um, I mean, perhaps before we throw to the audience, shall we give a big hand to our panellists just yeah, before we do all, yeah. that? That was great, guys. <laughs> all right. I was going to do that at the end, Josh, but you preempted me. So yeah, that's fine. We do it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do we have any questions? Yeah. Oh. Please. Got a gentleman here. Yeah, please. Um, when you were talking about tricking them into playing something via a theme, and they might learn something they weren't expecting, do you have any examples? Uh, it could be that they wouldn't, they didn't think they would like something like real time, where it's all chaotic. Um, but if you get caught up in the game and things like that, they're not actually realising that it's a bit noisier and things like that. And then afterwards, like, oh, that was quite good. Uh, so if it's through a game um, and they are taking part, then um, that's what came, comes to mind straight away. Then sometimes you can get away with things like that. And one for Lindsay. Do you, um, have you tried employing social stories into any games? Um, yeah, we use social stories as a strategy. So a social story is a story that's written in a way to help um, explain the kind of social rules that are around that are around happening um, to to uh, uh, somebody, um, and uh, they can be used in lots of varieties of different ways. You know, I'm just thinking of a young person that I've worked with. I have done one on winning and losing, and how to cope with your emotions and why it's important to learn how to win and lose. Um, but again, I think it probably depends on what the specific question is. What is the skill that you're trying to help the young person to be able to learn in a gaming context? How you practice that out of the gaming context, and a social story would help you put the skill into that situation. So, and I think that's sometimes where social stories go wrong is because actually the, the skill hasn't been practiced enough out with. So put something like turn taking or um, something like that, then practice that out with maybe with adults or um, young people that they feel safe with and then bring it into a gaming context where there's a lot more dynamics kind of going on. Yeah. yeah. Any other questions? Brian? Uh, hi, um, this is not for young people, this is for adult players, um, so I don't know if that is too far outside of your experience. Um, just to share some insights and then I have a question. I've been running a regular gaming group of about seven people swapping in and out of games for the past couple of years. And uh, of those seven players, three of them are autistic. Uh, one slightly more severely than the other two. And what I've found has been really helpful when I'm doing descriptive, when I'm doing social scenes with them in the game, rather than just doing the voice, once I've finished the voice line of the NPC, I then describe their expression or mm. just add a little sentence to help explain exactly what their intention is. Also because I'm terrible at doing voices. <laughs> um, but the side effect of that is that helps them. I'm also playing mostly online so they can't see my face. But having those vocalizations has helped. But here's the, the and other things, but here's the question. Um, one of the things I still struggle with is sometimes the players can get a little bit too fixated on one idea, one aspect mm. that they understood. But in the moment after I put it forward, I realize that's not what I want to focus on. I need the story to go elsewhere. That's a distraction but they're still focused on that, and I have mm. some difficulty sometimes bringing them round to the actual point I want to move on without saying, just 
drop it, move <laughs> on. I, I want to do that in a more friendly and approachable way. Mm. Do you have any advice for that? Okay. Okay. So, um, I first of all, I just want to say I love the idea of using gaming to help illustrate social kind of conventions that are happening and you're explaining the dynamic that's happening in that and I think that's probably one of the best ways um, for autistic people apart from just doing social stuff is to learn is that kind of practicing in, in, a, in a context that's motivating for them so I, I just want to say keep doing that that's great uh, the second thing was around your question I think sometimes there's two answers to this and they're, and they're a bit opposite each other so the first thing is sometimes just verbalizing what your thinking is, like some, saying something like, I wonder if we need to go in a different direction. So starting the sentence with, I wonder is really good because it's like you're, you're noticing something and you're stating that and people have, a, have an option to come with you or not. And so sometimes that can still be a bit tricky. So sometimes actually if the, the kind of floating the idea doesn't work, sometimes I think even just saying, we're going to take this game in a different direction now and sometimes just changing that and being really clear about that can also be helpful. So sometimes that might come across as being direct, but actually sometimes that can be really helpful because it's clear and it's giving clarity over what you're doing. I don't know if you've got any other ideas, Gavin. Um, it was funny because uh, one of my kids yesterday, um, she showed me uh, a, a TikTok and it was, uh, this is a person with autism in an argument and one person's trying to move on this argument and the other person no, but you said that thing, and that thing was incorrect, and they just fixated on that thing. And that just remi reminded me of it. Because um, it's, if you fixate on something, then it's hard. And I think you have to let them explore that thing to a certain extent. But again, just at some point, you have to say, right, let's go, let's yeah. move on and go to the next part. Yeah, the other way that I've maybe done um, is also parking things. So having a strategy, you know, having a, a thing where you can actually park ideas that you're not going to take any further forward. So I don't know whether that would lend itself into an online situation that you were talking about. But the idea of acknowledging the idea, but actually it's not going to be something you take forward and you park it. Excellent. Thank you. Good question. Uh, any other questions? Got the mic coming over to you. <laughs> okay, so I'll just I'll repeat that because I don't think the microphone was uh, was working for that one. So just so I understand this right, so you've basically got uh, an individual in the game, and you're avoiding sort of confrontation with that individual. And you ask your question is, should you be potentially engaging with that to a degree, obviously safely? Um, so, Gavin, Lindsay, any thoughts on that? Uh, I think I think playing ahead obviously is uh, is great. Mm. That's why I do a lot. So uh, certain individuals might uh, find certain games more upset than others then we'll say oh you could play that we'll play this um, uh, it, d it depends on the individual like I said earlier uh, it could be a learning experience if it's someone younger and growing up but if it's an adult which I think you might be saying um, then uh, you don't want to upset the other people in the group as well you want mm -hmm. everyone to have fun so I would try and um, encourage certain games with certain people I think mm -hmm. 
so you don't want anyone not to have fun. It's for everyone. Um, I think when it's in the social dynamic that, that there is an added complexity to that that we need to be aware of because, as you say, it's not just one person we're thinking about. So I think there's a couple of things. One is predictability. So being able to give warning ahead that there may be something in this game that might be, as you said, a trigger um, and being really upfront with that and then giving an option about whether they, they can choose then about whether they stay in play or not. I think the other thing is, is about nearly kind of building capacity to be able to understand that. So is there some way that they could um, they could observe other people playing so they're, they're not directly involved, but they're still having an experience of it to build up that. And then the last thing would be thinking about what are the emotional regulation strategies that person's using out with gaming and then thinking about how could you bring some of them into the situation that you're doing that. And it's a little bit like what I was saying about social stories. It's about practicing that out with the really kind of highly motivating or triggering situation so that they get practice of that and then thinking about how you bring the two together. But seeing that and breaking it down into the components is probably the way forward. Um, I don't know if that helps you or not. And again, you know, for one young, for the young people or adult I would be working with, that would be the right thing to push into that. And for another person, it would be the worst thing I could do. So it's knowing the person. So I can't answer your question about whether you should man up or not. I'll let you reflect on that. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, any other questions? Okay, yep, one there. We'll come to you uh, after. The mic's packed up. Okay, if you wanna, if you can shout it as loud as you can and. Uh, Yeah, please, by all means. Yeah, so a potentially support person that might be able to assist with that. Yep, that's good. Good, thank you. Uh, and your question? Okay, so the question is, do you believe people uh, with autism prefer games with comprehensive rules or ones with room for interpretation? Is that right? Yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, so I know both. Okay. There's your answer. It's like we said at the beginning, um, everyone's different. Just because someone's diagnosed with a, a condition doesn't mean they're one way or the other. Everybody likes different things. And uh, I think I think some people like, like role-playing games more. Some people like more abstract things. And uh, It just depends on the individual. And you just have to learn about that person, I think. Do you think, I think you've you touched on this briefly. Sorry, Lindsay, I'll, I'll come back to you on that question. Well, I was about to say I've got nothing else to add. So okay, <laughs> that's fine then. That's, uh, you mentioned earlier about um, challenging people with, with games that maybe they're not comfortable with. With like the, Do you think it's, obviously if the person is willing to do it, do you think it's good to have people challenged with, maybe someone's not comfortable with comprehensive rules, trying to kind of edge them into that a little bit? Do you think that's a good way to do it as well? Kind of increase that experience. I, th I think I think it's uh, a great way to do it as long as they still enjoy it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, because you don't want them uh, just to never want to do it again. Um, and conventional methods in a classroom um, won't always work. That's pretty obvious. So tabletop great gaming is a great way of um, teaching something without them realizing they're learning. <laughs> I do I do it all the time and they oh, that was great. It's like yeah yeah but you learn this or you watch as a team they don't they don't realize yeah yeah so that's what i think i think we saw a lot of that over uh lockdown as well you know people uh getting into hobbies like dungeons and dragons because it, it gave them that sort of community aspect mm -hmm. and it was you, you were playing a game but you were actually getting the social element that you were maybe lacking in uh in lockdown and things so uh that's a good question thank you i think we had another question somewhere 
Yep. Do you wanna? Okay, so the question there was um, any advice on people who struggle with turn-taking or wanting to go first in a game? So, Lindsay, do you want to open on that yeah. one? So I would just make that really predictable, either having some kind of uh, visual representation of whose turn it is to go first and, and to show that if you're playing that game then it, you know, and, and show that moving so that they can see that it's going to come back to them even if they can't. I actually wonder whether this, the difficulty with this is about managing your emotions, not about being first. So alongside that, I might also build in some kind of emotional regulation. So what can you do when you feel frustrated when you're not first? Because I think unless you give people strategies for dealing with those emotions and actually tuning in and being aware. So one of the things that's around autism just now, people have probably heard of theory of mind, but there's also something else now called theory of own mind. So being able to understand what's happening inside your body so that you can understand and manage yourself um, so really talking about the frustration and where, what does it feel like and what can you do when you feel like that I think is really important. I think for turn taking I would go for games where the turns change quite the turns change quite quickly and also go really predictably because some games that can move backwards and forwards in different directions and that can be really confusing. So start with the more predictable, more structured games for turn taking first and even having a visual for that as well could be helpful. Excellent. Anything to add Kevin? Obviously there's plenty of games where everybody goes at the same time but your goal might be to teach them uh, to wait alright yeah because there's plenty <laughs> of um, either real time or you get something like uh, like Karuba where um, everybody does go at the same time um, uh, it just depends I've just played uh, Sniper Elite so one person's doing their own thing but everybody else has to work as a team and um, discuss it so they all go at the same time as well so it depends if you just want them to enjoy the game or you want them to try and learn the process of turn taking. And I might do the opposite as well. I might give them a game where actually they're just playing it on their own because then actually you're giving them enjoyment of playing with the game without the bits that they're finding tricky. Okay. Does that help? Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, any other questions? Oh, yep, we've got a question there. Oh, we don't have a mic. I don't know why I'm waiting for the mic. <laughs> if you want to uh, go ahead. Okay, so <laughs> just just to uh, reiterate the question there, so you, you've got a player who's uh, got a bit of imposter syndrome, um, gets sort of insecure that you know they're not wanted at the table, they're in impacting other people's enjoyment, and you're looking for advice on that. Is that fair? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, slowing the game down. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, Gavin, Lindsay, anyone jump in on that? You have anything? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was thinking about, I wonder, you're noticing a, some kind of pattern that's happening. 
And I think actually that might in, its, in itself be interesting to reflect back with them, that you see that pattern happening. And that is that whole thing about learning about what's happening in yourself, because actually if you are not connecting with that, then that can often play out in then how we respond to other stimulus like other people or, or gaming. So for me, it would be what I would be curious about what is going on for them in that rhythm. Um, because actually giving them strategies to deal with imposter syndrome is not helping why the imposter syndrome is happening. So we need to kind of go back even further than where you're at. And that might not be for you to deal with, but it might be to help you get them to reflect on a wonder why that's happening. And then, you know, I think probably reflect on what are the things that you found that have helped in the past. Because um, for me, um, so thinking about imposter syndrome, it doesn't really matter what everybody else says because actually it's within you that doubt lies. So maybe having something where they could write when they don't, when they're not in that cycle of being feeling insecure, that they could read or something that they could go back to or trying to build security around them at times where they're feeling a bit vulnerable and insecure. So what are the things that would give them security? Um, and maybe that's about coming back to truths of like, I'm only here to do my best. I am here to have enjoyment. So what are some of the truths in that that they could hold on to? Anything to add to that, Gavin? I, I was totally going to say exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, um, I just uh, I like to have like chat groups and make sure everyone's involved if they want to be. Um, uh, just things like that, you know. So in between sessions, um, you're having chats about what's going to happen, things like that. Uh, so just so they're involved in between mm -hmm. it. But apart from that, yeah. Yeah, the only other thing I would say is often when I'm working with young people, who have anxiety, or I mean, this would apply to adults too, is also about having what I would call an exit plan. So that if things do go wobbly or go pear-shaped, as in they don't work out and the person is feeling like they don't want to stay in the place, how do they get out of that situation in a way that they feel comfortable with? So it might be something, if you're leading the session, you might say to them, you know, if I see this, this and this, how then that, that shows me that you're not managing, so how might I be able to help you with that? So you agree that kind of plan up front. So it's nearly like having a kind of plan B underneath so that you both know what are the signs that you might help, that might, might show that that person's not coping and what how do you respond to that? So having that kind of agreed up front. So, and also if you've got other people playing the group, then you, know, you need to be aware of the social dynamic of, of the other people as well and explaining that to them. So how can they get out of the situation? So in a physical situation, that's much easier. I don't quite know how you would manage that online. I'd probably have to give that a bit of thought, but maybe other people here might have some suggestions too. Excellent. Thank you very much. Hope that helps. Uh, any other questions? Please. Okay, so that was um, what advice do you have for somebody who's struggling to keep focus or keep their attention over uh, both short and longer spans of time? Hmm. Um, I think probably, first of all, is thinking about what optimizes your attention anyway. So thinking about the environment in which you're playing, um, the type of game that you're playing and the social dynamic that's going on in that. And really, if turning those things down to allow your attention to have the maximum amount of brain power that, that it can do. And then I think the other thing would be agreeing that up front with your players 
and saying that at the beginning sometimes I can lose attention you know this this is what I would find helpful um, and then the other thing would be it's like having recaps so actually saying can somebody give me a recap um, and I know in some games actually that probably would um, may ruin the game <laughs> uh, depending on the, what kind of game it is but if that is allowed then that might be the other thing as well thinking about it um, I've got ADD so what would help me is um, I would probably have a notepad and like draw pictures and try and draw things about what's happening things like that uh, and so I'm, I'd also still fidget in and that would probably help me listen to what's happening but that's just um, that's just kind of what I, th I think I would do um, again everyone's different and for some people actually to concentrate they may need movement so things like being able to have a seat that swings and moves or being able to get up and move around might actually help them as well so you know attention isn't always about being stationary so that might be important as well so looking at how what maximizes your attention in other in other situations in your life Yeah. Mm. So, uh, Any suggestions in the room? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. Any other tips yeah. anyone in the audience has got? Um, this is something that I struggle with a lot, um, and that's ADHD. And I think like having like a gear in that understands what I need, like mm -hmm. really helps me. Like, um, we used to draw different things, but I can only keep it in like chunks and stuff. I can use stories, or I can say like this is about like you know baby, and I can keep that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but also like just like having like little bit of pages of like the right behaviour, or like somebody taking that away from me that's bothering mm -hmm. me. Because you really have to find somebody that's cool for you to be in that kind of time. You really can't let it down. Any other tips? Personally, I struggle because my own notes, that way you're doing something with your hands, you're <coughs> focused on the paper and you're keeping track of exactly what's happening. And letting yourself sit as well, if that's something you do, like you can be writing or taking a photo of something so that you're not worried. So that's kind of my way of coping with it. Excellent. Awesome. Yeah, Brian. Excellent. Lots of, lots of really good tips there. Thank you, uh, everyone, contributing on that. I don't think we'll have that on mic, unfortunately, so that won't be on the recordings. That's just for you guys. That's a <laughs> that was the best bet. Yeah, <laughs> special <laughs> bit for you guys. Um, any other questions from anyone in the room? Yes. Are there any resources available for people who are struggling with 
Okay, can you run that question again? Because I didn't quite catch all of it. <laughs> resources. Yep. Okay. Okay, so are there any resources for autistic people specifically to help them create their own games for their their skills, was it? And their interests. Thank you very much. Sorry, my memory's not the best, so apologies for that. Uh, yeah, any thoughts on that? I, I don't have any information on that. No information on that, Kyle? Okay. I'll just piggyback on everyone else's work, so um, I'm not <laughs> sure. I don't have the attention span to make anything myself, so <laughs> um, I'm afraid I can't help there. Anybody in the room got any? Yes. Okay, so that was there's some groups on uh, Board Game Geek that don't deal specifically uh, with with autism, but there might be something there that might be a, a useful resource. Anybody else got any any comments on that? Yes, Ryan. So using basic resources and then projecting your own material onto that as well. That's good. Yeah, anyone else wanting to contribute anything to that? No? Yeah, hopefully that gives you something. Sorry, it's not much to, to go off, unfortunately. It does bring me on to a, a question that I had. Uh, that I was going to wrap up with, and I'll, I'll jump back to the audience if there are any more questions in a minute. Are there any resources that you would recommend from your own experiences uh, for, for people here today for helping either if they are autistic that they might want to tap into or if they have so someone in a game that they play with regularly that they might want to read or look into that you've used yourself in your experiences? Um, well, I guess probably people are based in Perth. Um, we have a role play group that runs for young people through our activities program. So that is uh, for anybody that's registered with us under the age of 18. So, and we also have you other kind of things. So that might be something that's just local here that might be of help. Excellent. I think um, I think a lot of what's out there um, doesn't have to be specific for people with autism. So. Uh, Gaming helps everyone, so mm -hmm. I, I can't I can't recommend something specific for someone with autism. Okay, but um, there's a lot out there. There's a lot of games. There's a lot of uh, different types of things to try. Okay, so just experiment and, yeah. and try different things. Yeah, what what interests you? Okay, usually mm -hmm. that's what that's what to go for. Fantastic. I think the reason why that question's hard to answer is because that there's such diversity across autism. Yep. Mm -hmm. So it would be really hard to recommend one thing because actually it would be knowing that person and their interests. Yep. Okay, fantastic, thank you. Any other questions from the audience? Yes. Just one that was, I think, using patient tools. And yep. it's not just for autism, but I think having that idea of patient tools gives them that ability to say, this bothers me or let's not go down or let's just stop. Mm -hmm. I think it applies to everybody, so not just for autism. Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah, I think that's a really good suggestion. So that was just a mention of, of safety tools. So as you mentioned, the X card and things like that and allowing everyone access to those so that uh, nobody feels singled out using them. That's a really good suggestion. Any other questions? Yes, uh, over here. Okay, so that was uh, any suggestions for finding groups online, online uh, that are autistic friendly. Is it board games or role playing games? Just out of interest, role playing games. Okay, uh, anything on that, Gavin? Uh, 
I don't know. Don't know. I don't no, know. Role playing games online. At all. That's fine. Uh, Lindsay, anything no, on that? No, I'm sorry. I don't know of anything, but I wonder whether. Oh, there's somebody right at the back that's got. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. That was, I was funny enough, I was actually going to mention that myself. I do a lot of GMing on, on Roll20, and they have community sections where you can post and say, you know, I'm looking for this type of game and this type of group that will be comfortable with, with you know, my particular uh, additional support that I need, so... Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can appreciate that, and it's 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 a shame when it's passion that's that's driving it almost, but it's it's detriment. Well, it feels mm -hmm. detrimental to to other people, even if it isn't. Any thoughts on on those that situation at all? I would try and um, beat it. I <laughs> would I would be more enthusiastic, and mm -hmm. uh, but I tend to find that um, I'm kind of um, quieting them down. Need someone to do the most. I would try and do the most. <laughs> you know, that's what I would do. I guess just on a reflection of what you're saying, I wonder whose problem this is. Because actually, it's great that somebody's passionate about something. Yeah, yeah it is, yeah. <laughs> so, do you know, is it about helping everybody else understand why that is and, and how to respond to that? You know, because actually it would be terrible if we diluted everybody's passion down, wouldn't it? I'd, I would hate to see a world where that happens. And actually, yeah. I don't know, I don't think that gives you an answer, but it's just a reflection. I think one thing I will say from my own experience, I've, I've played with a lot of different groups in a lot of different parts of the UK and there's, there's 
there's always going to be that situation that a group's just not the right fit for any any person for any reason and it's just about moving through groups until you find one that fits for you in any circumstance so there's no shame in you know having one or two groups that you just don't fit with that can happen in in any circumstance so you know meeting people and and find a group that do accept you for who you are and the passion that you bring to a game mm-hmm. um you know i think that's a good thing to do so the, the more opportunities you can get to play and the more groups that you know you might find that one that clicks and it kind of really works when they take him um yes I see lots of people with their hands up so i'll Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Great to hear. Anybody? Yes, do you want to add something? Uh, two points as well. Do you think uh, from uh, your perspective, it takes a good time to do some due diligence like from myself or from uh, you because we can work with games for one year for example. Mm-hmm. And uh, during one year, uh, many people will be Yeah, I do. I do think uh, just to add on onto what you said, their local gaming stores or even sort of the extended area, they can be quite good resources just to kind of almost put your name in and just say, you know, this person's looking for this game. If anything comes up, you know, here's some contact details. Can you let us know? Because you find more often than not, you know, people moving to new cities, new towns will go in, and there, you know, there's so many people out there looking for games, but they just don't. They're not together, and the internet has really helped a lot of people come together, but it's not always the case. So, um, I. A, a years and years ago I set up a, a gaming club in, in Glasgow and it was amazing how many people c- came out of the woodwork because I thought it was going to be like you know three people and there was like 30 so <laughs> you know they, they do come out of the woodwork so it is a good resource anyone else got anything they want to add on to it's that um, would they not like to be a, a DM and then people can join in because a DM who's enthusiastic anyways you know going to be a great thing anyway yeah yeah Depends what he wants, yeah. Excellent. I hope that's been uh, been helpful for you. A lot of different uh, bits of advice. Anyone got any other questions for us? Uh, I'll go for the, at the back. Yes. Yeah. Did you have your hand up? Yeah. So that was uh, advice for short games that can be play played in a short period of time um, for regulation. What age? What age? Secondary, Secondary school. school. Right. So short. Um, I just played a game the other day. It's just come out. Um, it's, it takes about ten minutes, and it's crazy. It's called Give Me That, um, and that's uh, I would I would say yeah, that's a crazy little game, and it would work. I think for a while else. 
Is Love Letter not quite a short game as well? It's yeah. That's quite a short one as have well. You, especially if you get a different version that might be more appealing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one that's not quite like as... Like Batman or uh, something. Yeah, like the Batman yeah, Love Letter yeah. or something like that. They're uh, quite short games as well. Uh, yeah. Um, you got your For Sale. Um, quick games like that. Uh, Skull. It's quite, a, well, that's quite a lot. Yeah, there's probably a few other... If you go on Board Game Geek... Um, and and you just go through menu, uh, menus. Uh, there will be a time slot thing, and you can look up short games, and then look at the weight. And uh, you don't want anything um, over like two and a half. You want something a bit lighter. So that would be a great place to to find to find hundreds. You will literally. Is there anyone in the audience that has a, a short game that they would potentially recommend that they particularly enjoy? Uh, yes. King Domino. King Domino heard of that okay yeah there you go yes i really like fluff and it's all different versions so mm-hmm. fluff yep. you can find a whole load there mm. might be a good thing yeah Ex- exploding kittens and obviously yeah you kids like yeah, exploding that. kittens yeah, yeah. <laughs> i hope somebody's making a list <laughs> <laughs> it's all recorded it's fine <laughs> just scroll to the end yeah uh excellent any other questions for us i think i saw a couple of hands yes okay okay Okay, so that yeah. was um, re- sort of struggling with reading instructions for games and understanding them without getting someone else to help you. Is that right? Or with, yeah? Yeah? I can see someone's got their hand up. They might be keen with some advice, so please. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. That's what I was about to say, too. <laughs> So the, the recommendation there was YouTube and it's um yeah if you if you put in like how to play whatever mm-hmm. your game is you'll tend to get like a like a list and then you've got like your high budget ones and then your slightly lower budget ones and you can take your pick yeah. of uh of yeah that's it you, yeah. you've got some that are really I'm you know same, yeah yeah I think I mean, often as well looking for overviews of games so it gives you a, a bit of a kind of context of what you're going into because then that helps you know what you're listening for as well so that can be helpful as well as the rules what's the overview. Mm-hmm. You get some that actually play through the game, yeah. and so that will get you more of the context of it. This is what happens this turn, and then there's the structure of the game, things like that. It's all different. A lot of people are more visual, so mm-hmm. I think without YouTube, a lot of us would struggle now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll genuinely find you'll genuinely find that all the written instructions for any game will be online, and you can type the sheets to get them read to you instead. Yeah, that's a good suggestion as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, plenty, plenty of options there. Yes. Thank you. 
Yeah, I think, I think that's good. I think the two other things I would add in there is choose a time when you do that. You know, if you're learning something new and you're having to focus, then make sure you're at your, your best levels of alertness um, and do it for a time-limited period. I think one thing I would... Oh, go ahead. I think that's good. I think one thing I do, I, I'm a bit like yourself, I struggle kind of digesting uh, rule books and I, I read a lot of them, or I try to anyway, um, is find someone that you trust to maybe play your first game with, you know, not a big group, just maybe you and one other person if it's a game that facilitates that. And don't worry if you get stuff wrong, you know, just, just try and play what you've, you've picked up, whether it's from YouTube or whatever, because you can always correct yourself as, as the game goes on. A, a kind of extrapolation on what, uh, what was said there. It's just, you know, I think sometimes it's easy to get tethered to the rules, especially if it's a very dense system. You know, like some role-playing games can be murder for rules. Like if you've ever played first edition Pathfinder, that's that'll kill your your enthusiasm for rule books very very quickly. <laughs> um, so yeah, just don't beat yourself up about getting rules wrong as well. I think that's that can really help uh, with that. Uh, any other advice on that point before we move on? Yes. Sean. Excellent. Thank you very much. I think we've got time for one more question before we need to wrap up. So anyone got a question? No? Oh, yes. Go on and squeeze, squeeze one more in quickly. Okay, so that was uh, when you're running kind of horror-themed games uh, about being careful about what subject matter to touch on and, and how to address that, yeah? Yeah. Any thoughts on that? I think it's more about the individual rather than the diagnosis. It's know your, know your people you're playing with. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, one, one thing I do, so I, I run horror uh, quite a lot. Um, I wouldn't say I enjoy messing with people, but it's probably not that far off. Um, but one thing I do, I always run a session zero, and I'll always say, is there any subject matter that is off limits? And I, I won't even necessarily say that needs to be addressed on a group, because some people don't want to say you know, what, what their triggers are or anything in, in a group. So I'll say, look, if there's anything that is off the table, send me a message and just let me know 
in the background so that I can take that you know off my agenda if I'm pre pre reading an adventure I can take that out and, and replace it or uh, I've had I had one where I ran a very specific adventure where I needed to well the adventure needed you to touch on something I knew that player wasn't comfortable with so I pre warned them and said look when this is coming up if you just want to jump off for 10 minutes and then come back on uh, and then they're not being triggered they're not being you know, affected by that but everybody's still getting the experience around it so there's, there's options there Ryan yeah. Do you have something to add there? Yes, in the back. Um, I have a question for if there is a topic of competition, not necessarily a problem, um, or maybe a topic that's quite necessary for the story, uh, which is to do with the question of safety blocks, where you say, okay, now this is going to happen. I'm not going to describe it, I'm just going to address it here with the reader. And yep. I think it can keep the uh, necessary control of the story. Yeah, I, I must admit, I run with a, a lot of, of guys, and if there's any romance scenes, they tend to be made to black scenes. You know, I don't really want to play that out with my, my buddy. I'm comfortable with a lot of things, but we're not there <laughs> in our friendship. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, I think that, uh, unfortunately, is, is bringing us up to the, the end of the time we have today. So I'd like to thank uh, Gavin uh, and Lindsay for taking the time, and, and all of you for, for participating mm -hmm. as well and all your great questions. Can we get a round of applause for the panelists, please, and for yourselves as well? Thank you very much. Uh, Ryan will open the door so you can escape now. Um, and thank you all for attending. I hope you enjoyed it.